You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I'm Chris Story. Whatever you can conceive and believe in your life, you can achieve. Napoleon Hill. Welcome to the Backyard Millionaire. Today, meet my wife, Tiffany Story. She'll be here to tell you all about beliefs and how they can affect not just your life, but your business and investing. And Rhonda Johnson will bring you your mortgage moment. Boy, banks are in the news every single minute. Let's get Rhonda's perspective on how that's going to affect your mortgage money. First, it's time for some Backyard Millionaire Breaking News. This just into the Backyard Desk here, Dr. Mercola is reporting that over 97 studies have proven that exercise is one and a half times more effective for your mental health than all the top medications and or combination of counseling. And you can see results within 12 weeks. This according to the studies that prove what you already knew. I'll tell you one other thing, and the studies probably discuss this, sleep better too. Absolutely. Let's talk about storytelling. Are you good at storytelling? Not everybody is. It's in my blood, obviously. I come from a long line of storytellers, hence the name. But communication, in all seriousness, communication is at the heart of everything you do. Relationships, investing, access to capital. Not to say that somebody's going to you know, a story is going to make the difference between you getting that million-dollar loan or not. But I am telling you, that story could be the difference between you getting that million-dollar loan or not. Relationships matter. And in investing, like anything else in life, how you communicate is key. So let's, let's talk about storytelling. Here's a pro tip on storytelling. You want to bake persuasion into your story with purpose, with real purpose. And I'll give you an example. In 1994, I sat before a banker, and I, I had this huge performa. I had this huge a plan with all kinds of uh, projections going forward three, four, five years. I'd taken a business class, and I knew how to develop this plan. I knew what they were going to be wanting, what was going to be required of me as an applicant. But the truth of it is, the real reason we got the loan, the real reason that eventually the banker did say yes 
to somebody with zero experience, by the way. Well, two things. One, we had a piece of, uh, of, we had a car we could put up as a little bit of collateral. Got to have something. But more than anything, it was the story that I told. Because he finally closed the book. He looked at the numbers, said, yeah, these numbers are real. Yes, these numbers are real. And then we talked, and I told him the story about how I came to this business. And back then, it was pottery making. That was my business. But I told him the story about that, and that made all the difference. That was the reason we were approved for the loan. So build persuasion into your story. There's got to be truth. I'm not talking about fabrication. I'm talking about the truth. And the building blocks of story are as follows. This, according to Ira Glass, who is a master storyteller. Ira Glass says basically the building blocks of any story, and you can, you can attract attention, you can build suspense, you can do and persuade, and you can move the world with just these few little building blocks, according to Ira Glass, and here they are. It's an anecdote followed by an anecdote followed by an anecdote followed, key point here, by a moment of reflection. What's the point? Right? If you're telling a story and you don't have a point, if you don't have a purpose, if you've not baked in persuasion, you're actually not telling a story. <laughs> so, and what, what Ira was saying in this great essay he did on storytelling, he was saying that so often somebody's got a beautiful moment of reflection, like, uh, you know, then, then that's when I knew that that was a spaceship. Wait a minute, what? I, he told me this whole boring set of circumstances that just bored me to tears, and then you gave me this amazing turn of an event? Imagine you could be persuasive through each of the building blocks. So build stories with characters that are interesting. You know, tell a story, even in the investment world, even in the banking and business world, relationships hinge upon your ability to capture attention and characters capture attention even if you're the character aiming at a point kevin hogan calls this narrative transportation he says take me somewhere your story can light a fuse and transport me so i'm i'm telling you and promising you you can sell your ideas better if you use storytelling politicians, pastors. Pastors are wonderful storytellers, by and large. Most are. Stories at the heart of moving people. tell you about a failure that led to an instant success. Imagine you're a co-founder of a technology company. Then along comes a market correction and you're shown to the door. You are actually fired. It's 2008. The economy is on its heels. What do you do? What would you do? Well, if you're Robert Wang, you get busy solving a problem. Robert and his wife were both working professionals who didn't take time to cook, didn't like to cook. Robert Wang's solution combined two things, the much-loved American crockpot and his traditional family's Chinese pressure cooker. And that's the day the Instant Pot was born. There's a million ways to respond to failure. Robert Wang's future 
was decided in that instant. Just before this microphone went on, Tiffany and I were discussing an investment. I mean, like, almost like it was the first investment we've ever made. We're so excited about it, and it's a piece of land, and we have an exciting, what we consider to be an exciting use for that land, and I almost wasn't ready to get here to you because we were in the middle of tech, and I said, I gotta go. We got a show to do, and we'll talk about this investment later, but do you, this is how we live. So we, we call this the backyard millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. In fact, I wrote the book called the backyard millionaire, but it's what we do. It's through and through us. It's in our DNA. Tiffany and I've been doing this for 25 years. We've been managing property together for 28 years. It's, it's become a way of life in, in such a way that we can see the news and I'm going to be talking with Rhonda Johnson with Cornerstone Home Lending in just a minute. We're going to bring you her opinion. We're going to bring you some facts and some insights into what's happening, how it affects the mortgage world or doesn't. And that's her expertise. But let me tell you, I'm not naive. I'm watching the news. I'm watching what's happening with the banking system. I'm watching what's happening around the world. And yet I am excited about investing in my own, maybe more excited about investing in my own backyard. Because you know what I can do with that? I can control it. I know what's happening. I can see down the road what's happening in my backyard. I can see down the road what I can do with this property. And by the way, it has this little, little piece of exclusivity to it. That's what's got me just completely keyed up about this deal. And I think we will make a deal on it. But we have to go together, Tiffany and I, and look at it. That's how we approach every investment. It's not unilateral. We work on it together. We make a decision together. And here's the thing, too. We'll get back to the point in a minute, but this is the fun part about investing with Tiffany over the years, that every now and then, if one of us doesn't, it's like we both have the, the key to the nuclear weapon. If one of us doesn't turn the key, then it, we don't fire. We cannot, we will not move forward if there's not a unified voice that it says yes. Like if it doesn't speak to her and if it does to me or vice versa. But here's the beauty of that. Every now and then, we both get to say, oh, if only you'd said, yeah, look at what it's worth now. We don't hold it against each other. Well, okay, I bring it up more often than she does. But, um, but it's exciting because in your own backyard, yes, Credit Suisse is having problems. Signature Bank is gone. Yes, SVB under. Yes, we've got bailouts happening. Federally, we've got huge questions about what's going to happen in the banking system, what's happening with, with um, stock market. All these things are in, in great limbo. But what happens in your backyard, the investments you make, where you are, with what you've got, that should still be exciting to you. And if you've not considered it before, I want you to consider it now. If never before, this is the time. This is the time to take and control your backyard, own more of your hometown, where you are, with what you've got. I'm Chris Story, along with Mr. David Webb. We'll return to the backyard in just a moment with Rhonda Johnson. Stick around. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Well, it's time for your mortgage moment with Rhonda Johnson, the queen of green. 
Rhonda Banks are in the news every single day. SVB is gone last, as of last week. That's the second largest bank failure in U.S. history. Signature Bank gone. Credit Suisse in trouble. Others are threatened. Mortgage companies, though, Rhonda, are specifically not banks. Would you please break it down? What's the difference? And are there concerns with mortgage money stability and availability? Yeah, so you're you're right. We are independent mortgage companies, so we are typically not um, either bank owned or own a bank. Now, Cornerstone does happen to own a bank because it gives us some different products that we can use that as just a regular mortgage person, we can't. However, the thing that makes the biggest difference for bank failures is some of the investments that they make. So when you think about it, Chris, if you put $100,000 in the bank, then the bank is going to make sure that 10% of that is is always safe and, and available for you. And they can use up to 90% of that to go out and invest and make money to pay you on your savings, right? They can't just pay you because they don't make any money. And so it's what do they invest that other 90% in that determines kind of their success and their failure. So a couple of things we saw with some of these bank failures, I think, in my opinion anyway, is that you know some of them had the, the cryptocurrency that they were working with. They had... Um, big bond investments and they invested in these bonds when they were two and three percent and now people are pulling the money out of the bank because they can go put it elsewhere and earn more with these higher increased interest rates and they weren't very well um uh diversified with their liquidity and so when people pulled those that money out they had to pay them but they might have had that money invested in long-term lower rate return investments and they couldn't stop it and turn it around to get higher investments. So a lot of different factors, and all the banks were a little bit different, but a lot of different factors involved in those failures. Um, so independent mortgage companies don't have to worry about that because we don't have any money. <laughs> right. So you're, you're a broker. So you're you're brokering between the, the, the money pool and the people that want the money, the investors and the home buyers. But yeah, exactly. is there... Are we at risk of losing some of the that available mortgage money? What's going on with that? No, not really. No, because, you know, like you can't go knock on Fannie Mae's door and say, hey, I want to borrow $250,000 to buy a house. You have to go through an approved lender to do that. We front the money for you. We close on the loan. We get reimbursed by Fannie Mae later. So Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FEJBA, none of those sources of monies for homes have anything to do with any of those banks. Okay. All right. So... Excellent. Well, it comes back to relationship. And I, I've had a relationship with you as a mortgage broker for over 20 years. And to me, that that says something. So I think whether we're talking about banking or we're talking about mortgage relationships in a mortgage company, it does come back to who do you know, who do you like, and who do you trust? And so when I, when I talk to people that are relatively new at investing or home buying, it always comes back to that same thing. You need to work with somebody that you can speak with, you can get a hold of, and that can you know, arrest concerns or educate you. And that's, that's what I love about having you uh, as part of this program, Rhonda. So thank you for that. FHA, FHA typically is, you mentioned Fannie Mae a moment ago, FHA is, is a federal loan program, if I'm saying that correctly, that we think about it for people that are less looking to put less than 5% down. Is that a correct characterization? Right. So uh, VA, FHA, USDA are all government-backed um, money pools. And then Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are conventional money pools. 
yes, the government is involved in them now, but, but right. generally speaking, yeah, FHAVA and USDA are government-backed money pools. And so the only reason I would usually, I mean, there's a couple of reasons, and I, of course, rely on you to help the borrower and the buyer get paired with the right loan. But usually the reason I would be leaning towards recommending FHA to somebody is simply for the standpoint, oh, it's a 3.5% down payment. But you're telling me there's now 100% availability within FHA? Yeah, this is such exciting news. So, you know, we've talked in the past, Chris, about um, about uh, the zero down loans, like with VA mm -hmm. and USDA. And we utilize those programs a lot. Because even with the interest rates up just a little bit, you know, for every $1,000 you put down, you're only saving maybe six bucks a month on your mortgage. So it takes lots and lots and lots of thousands to make a big difference. And, but some, but, you know, you have to be a veteran to get the VA loan. You have to be within certain uh, income limits, credit score limits, ratio limits on the USDA. So not everybody always fits into that. And then FHA has a lot of different flexibilities that we can take advantage of. And as of Monday coming up, whatever that date is, the 20th, um, then we now have a 100% FHA loan that we can take advantage of. So generally, it had been a 3.5% down payment. And then plus, you have to pay co closing costs, right? So they've given us two new options now where you could borrow that 3.5% down payment. And either it just goes as a second deed of trust against your property it's at zero interest, and it, it's 100% forgivable, but only if you stay in that house as your primary home for the next 10 years. If you sell it before 10 years, you're going to pay it back, but at zero interest. So you're kind of using somebody else's money and not having to pay for it, but if you don't use it for 10 years, you're going to give it back. What if you move yeah. out after, so prior to the 10 years, out. if you move mm -hmm. out, you have to pay it back? Correct. If you keep it as a rental mm -hmm. even? Yep, yep, yep. Okay. And the other option is, okay, so I just don't have it in my pocket right now, but it's okay. I can afford it. If you'll just loan me that 3.5% down, I'm okay with paying it back. And so we have one that you can pay back. And uh -huh. so it's paid out over two years, or 10 years, I'm sorry, and it would be the full 3.5% down. So on, say, a $300,000 loan, the payment would be about $145 a month. Um and then that money is just money that you borrowed to put down, but you're going to have every intention of paying it all back. All right. I like that. I like the flexibility and I like the options. And I know I can hear a couple of eyes rolling out there saying, wait a minute, we're, we're amidst a potential banking crisis that kind of could bring back or harken back the memories of 08. And isn't it the, the mortgages that got us into trouble and the credit default swaps and all of the things that were happening back in that era that caused the banking collapse then? And now here we are talking about 100% financing. These, though, this particular loan, you must qualify both credit and income, right? I mean, this isn't one of those old no doc, no no job, no problem correct. loans. Correct, correct. It's a standard, everyday FHA loan, just like we've always had for all these years. It's mm -hmm. always been here. The difference is just assistance with that down payment. So right. that's been the barrier for so many folks to come up with not only the 3.5% down payment, but 3 or 4% more for closing costs. So this just solves part of that challenge. You mentioned VA or the veterans program. You can, as a vet, you can, let's say you negotiate with a seller, a property owner agrees to pay your closing costs. There, 
Is it limited as to how much the seller can pay towards your closing costs? And what I'm driving at is, can't they pay for the point to buy the rate down also? I mean, it's, it's pretty, mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, latitude within the VA system. There's a lot. So actually, the seller can pay all of the closing costs, typical closing costs, let's say. Um, so the title, the recording, the escrow closing, lender fees, all that stuff. And there's no limit. Above and beyond the normal closing costs, then there's a 4% limit. So the seller could pay up to 4% of the sales price to go towards veterans, discount points to buy down the rate, prepaids for taxes and insurance. They could even pay off a bill for the veteran Hmm. to help them qualify for their mortgage. But it all has to be within that 4% limit above normal closing costs. Oh, that that gives a lot of flexibility. Okay, well, I like that. Oh, it's really great. And now with this FHA one too, Chris, the seller can also pay up to 6% of the sales price to pay for buyer's closing costs. And so if we can loan them the money for the down payment and we can negotiate the seller to assist with closing costs, then we can actually get them in very similar to a USDA loan with virtually very little or zero money out of their pocket. It's cheaper to buy a house than to rent a new apartment. Yeah, you're not kidding. And then availability comes to mind, too, with with rentals right now. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I'm Chris Story in conversation with Rhonda Johnson. Rhonda, how do you create wealth where you are with what you've got? If you don't got a lot, well, you've just solved a couple of those hurdles. You can still get into it. Um, Let's talk, though, and, and I'm suggesting that now is the time, maybe more than ever, to actually own some more of your own backyard. So for those that are looking for a second or third home, walk me through that that investor loan process. So investor loans, depending on whether you buy a single family or a multifamily and whether you buy in the city or out of the city, has a lot of different possibilities. So if you buy a single family home, Chris, and you want to do it as just a pure investment property, Mm -hmm. then you can get in for as little as 15% down. If you buy a multifamily, in most cases, you're going to need to have 25% down. Okay. Okay. And then you happen to buy something outside the city limits and Mm -hmm. use the Alaska housing rural non-owner program, then you can get into those two to four units with 20% down. And I think it's so important to be thinking this through that we're, we're talking about a, a reshuffling of what the banking system looks like potentially. We're talking about maybe a a digitized currency at the, the Fed level, at the central bank level. And we're talking about a lot of question marks. We do not know what's going to happen. But one thing I You're can right. guarantee is somebody is going to be owning the home next door to you and the one next to that and the triplex down the street. I'm suggesting yeah. it be you. And I agree because, you know, no matter what is happening out there in the rest of the world, you have to have a roof over your head, right? Yeah. So you might as well own it and uh, be improving your own financial situation and not relying on others to help take care of you and um, figure out a way to get into your own home and not be a, underneath somebody else's thumb. And, of course, I always rely on Rhonda Johnson to take care of me at rondajohnson.net, or you can call or text at 907 252 rondajohnson.net you can begin the conversation you can make an easy online application find out where you're at find out where your credit's at what income level would you need or are you already there to support either your first home your second third or fourth ronda johnson thank you so much thanks chris have an excellent day Ain't no sunshine when she's gone 
Whose fault is it anyway? We'll answer that. And Epictetus has got some advice for you. Could change everything in your life. Plus, a conversation with my wife, Tiffany. And it will change my life. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire. Stick around. We'll be right back. We have always held to the hope, the belief, the conviction that there is a better life and a better world beyond the horizon. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I feel blessed to have with me today my own personal life coach, my life partner, my business partner, and my best friend of 34 years, Tiffany Story. Hi, thanks for having me. All right, let's talk about beliefs. How do beliefs impact our lives? Yeah. So, Beliefs are so important, and that is one of the reasons I really wanted to bring this topic today. Belief is really a thought that you think over and over, and you don't ever question it. And I just want to break it down that that is basically what a belief is, because we think our brains tell us that beliefs are just true. You know, when you've had a thought that you believe over and over and over, we don't question it. We just think it's true. Beliefs start coming from, you know, childhood. Like they come from our parents, they come from our teachers and mentors, you know, hopefully all who really just meant well, and they're just passing on their belief systems to us. So here's the thing about beliefs that are a really good news beliefs are optional. What do you mean? And well, what I mean is like we get to believe whatever we want to believe. This is something that I don't think we stop and think about that. I don't think we question that really. But some I want to question that because aren't some things absolute and you don't get to choose? A lot of people do have that question. They think, "Well, wait a minute. You know, I don't want to just be in la la land." I don't want to believe things that aren't true, but we believe things that aren't true all the time. I mean, think about it. Think about how we talk to ourselves. We say things to ourselves like, oh, I'm just shy, or, oh, I could never lose weight, or I could never own a one home, let alone become a backyard millionaire. I mean, these are things that we tell ourselves all the time. And yet there are people that are not shy. There are people that lose weight. There are people that have major real estate investments. They, I bet you they didn't believe any of those things. I bet you they thought something different. What's interesting about that is when, when you and I became vegans a number of years ago, not to swerve into dietary issues, but when we became vegans, what was the number one thing we heard besides where you're going to get your protein? The other thing we heard That's constantly was, oh, I could never stop eating meat. I couldn't yeah. live or without cheese. meat. Yeah. 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 So that is a belief. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 
And it's just a belief you have it. And so here's the thing that I just want to offer. If you, like all of the things in your life are a result of your beliefs, where you live, if you're married, who you're married to, what job you have, this is all a result of the things that you believe, Mm -hmm. probably without question. So here's the thing. This is what I was saying earlier. This is good news that beliefs are optional because if you are not having the life you want to have, if you are not getting the results in your life that you want to get, that is the time to start questioning all of your beliefs. So you, you bought me a plaque a long time ago, um, Norman Vincent Peale's quotes on it. It sits right in front of my desk and I look at it every day. Change your thoughts, change your world. Yeah. This relates to what you're describing. Absolutely. With I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. And so we sit here and we think, okay, this is so simple, right? This is such a simple thing. And if it's so simple, then why aren't more people doing this? This is really work though. Like you, this is like the work to do to really go in and start questioning all of our beliefs. Here's the thing. Our primitive brain is telling us, no, don't question those beliefs. These are the beliefs that have kept you alive so far. These are the beliefs that are keeping you going in the world. Like your primitive brain is saying, don't question any of those beliefs. But once we know that we can question them, that beliefs aren't necessarily just truths that are just what what they are, we get to question them. We get to believe something different. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but for sure, Start questioning those beliefs. If you want a different result in life, start, you're going to have to start believing something different. I brought up that you're my personal life coach and you've been a big believer in me for throughout our business career together and our relationship and everything. When I didn't believe in myself, when I didn't have the belief that I could do a thing in business or do whatever it was, you would loan me some belief in myself and yeah. long enough for me to get started. What if somebody doesn't have that component? Somebody doesn't have you in their life necessarily to say, oh yeah, well you can do this and I believe you can so that I can borrow from them. What does somebody do absent that? Yeah, I mean, that makes a big difference, right? I mean, and here's the thing, like sometimes we don't believe, sometimes we don't believe in ourselves and Who we surround ourselves with is so important because you get to sometimes borrow other people's beliefs. You know, when somebody else believes in you in that way, that can be a huge impact. Um, So I would say start with who's in your life, who's in your circle, you know, are they people that are supporting you in the way that you deserve to be supported? And if they're not, Maybe, I'm not saying that just cut people out of your life, but think about, I mean, this this is kind of delving into another conversation that I would love to have in further depth. You know, just saying, hey, I, I get to start, first of all, just, it starts personally. It starts inwardly. It starts with just questioning all the things you think, all of your thoughts. It starts with not, it starts with just recognizing that your thoughts are not necessarily truths. Mm-hmm. There are a couple that we should question immediately. You brought up uh, weight, losing weight. You brought up a, a couple of things that you might not believe about yourself or believe yourself capable of. 
Is there a few that we should or could tackle pretty quickly and maybe even get to a faster result? Uh, personally, I think it starts with what are looking at some of the results that you have in your life that you don't want. Considering like what are you what are the what are you getting back? What is the feedback that the world is giving you that you don't want? Start there. Start questioning those thoughts that you have that that have you in that space to begin with. And I, here's the thing that's so this it's kind of a little tricky. You have to create the new beliefs first before you get the thing. We we were not investors in our thinking first. You know, we had to we had to become believers that we could be investors before we ever started investing. That's true. We ironically we had the investment but didn't realize that we were investors with an investment and got rid of it as quick as we could. We did. Yeah. We had bought, we were living in a house that was a, it was like in a commercial district and um, we had purchased another home and we were so excited about that to, to finally have purchased this beautiful home on the bluff and it needed a lot of remodel work. And so we, we literally lived in our other home while we remodeled this new house. And what did we do that for like six months? Yeah, we paid for the two, least. we made the two payments. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, I said, no, 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 we couldn't keep this building we couldn't keep this commercial building and rent it out what if what if the tenants moved out and we like were stuck and we had two payments to make that was like all i could think about and so we sold this commercial property very quickly to someone who ended up putting a very long-term tenant in there um through the state and um, they're still there to this day. And what was interesting was that when they moved in, he, he rented it to them at like twice what our note payment mm. was. And I think when we closed on that deal and we found out what had happened, that was the moment we became investors. Because it was like, we didn't think that that was possible. So if we had the belief in ourselves prior to that moment, Exactly. We, we would be about a half million dollars to the good, to the better today. Definitely. As you were talking about beliefs and the results in your life and looking for things that you do not want, I'm struck with dandelions. I fought dandelions for my entire life of lawn mowing. And when you see the result, a dandelion is in your lawn. Um, that's the result, but the belief is the root down below. So if you just keep changing, you just keep cutting the dandelion head off, the belief hasn't been touched your belief is going to produce another dandelion yeah and furthermore i kind of like dandelions because <laughs> actually that is the bees first food in the spring so they're kind of important <laughs> so it really is all in how you look at it i'm right? going to remind you about that this summer <laughs> when our lawn is infiltrated with dandelions but changing beliefs and and not to make this about my book the backyard million Millionaire available wherever you can buy books online or at ilovehomeralaska.com. Not to make it about that. But in that book, I describe Oscar giving August a reputation to live up to. And I think that's, I think that relates to beliefs. I think that's what he meant by he, you give me a reputation to live up to. In other words, I'm borrowing your belief in me from your belief in me for a little while until I can stand on my own mm -hmm. and, and changing. But belief around food, that's very painful belief around 
never being able to lose weight, never being able to get fit. That's actually a big pain point we have for a many lot. people. We have a lot of beliefs that are very painful. Hmm. Yeah. And it's okay to question them. They might not be true. Is there, is there something actionable you can take from this yep. and, and do immediately? The first thing that people can do is just, first of all, the awareness that everything you think is not the truth. Just starting out with that awareness. And then from there, really take some time and start maybe writing down some of your beliefs and then taking the time to question them. Where did you get them? Where did they come from? Um, are they serving you? Are they serving you? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then what? Once you, once you, let's say you've written down a handful of them uh, and you've observed them and go, wait a minute, this really isn't the truth. Do you, do you recommend like setting out, okay, well, what do you believe? Do you get to choose that? Absolutely. You, you get to choose whatever you want to believe. I mean, that's what I said earlier. And it sounds so simple. And why doesn't everybody just believe all the, the la la beautiful things? It's harder than it sounds. I mean, we really have to question, you know, that, that again, that primitive brain wants to keep us safe. Um, but you can think outside of that. You can think with your prefrontal cortex. We were gifted with that. And we get to think about deciding to think something different. I mean, um, when you consider, this is probably why, like, you, if you look at, like, generations of families that kind of live in the same um, socioeconomic status, uh, maybe they're middle class or maybe they're living in poverty, you know, um, or great wealth or great wealth. That's you. All of these are usually very generational. So questioning all of the things that you think are just truths and deciding if you want to think something different, because believe me, somebody else out there does think something different and you will see that because they have a different result. And so if there's a different result that you want in your life, look at what you're believing and start deciding on purpose to believe something different. And you can start that new life today. Absolutely. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you for having me. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. In just a moment, are appraisals rigged? I'll answer that and more when we return to The Backyard Millionaire. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire. I'm Chris Story along with Mr. Webb, the eagle, the mothership. Do you know what state was almost named Lingonia? Can you imagine Lingonia? Well, it almost was called Somerset, Yorkshire, Columbus, and again, Lingonia. Well, King Charles would have none of that. He said, no, I don't like it. In particular, I don't like New Somerset. He was so adamant that he said it could only be named after the county of Maine back at the motherland of England. That's how Maine got its name. King Charles also, along with his brother James, you should know, bred the greatest dog on the planet. They really did. They loved and protected and created what is arguably the greatest breed 
And when God said, let there be dog, he intended it to be a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. I've got two of them, and I'm telling you, there's no better dog on the planet. Are appraisals rigged? Question came to me from Michelle. It's an excellent question, and not infrequently asked either. Why do appraisals magically come in at the sales price, Chris? So, Michelle, here's the job of an appraiser, all right? The job of an appraiser is to determine if the price you've agreed upon, whether you're selling or buying, the mutually agreed upon price, does that price reflect fair market value? Now, appraisers use a couple different methodologies, actually one of, or two of three, evaluate replacement or what they call the cost approach, comparable approach using like-kind sold properties adjusted, and an income approach if it's a multifamily or an investment property. And keep in mind, Michelle, they're not working for you. They're working for the lender. And so here's what they're seeking to do. They're trying to determine for the bank, well, one, are there any health and safety issues? That's got to be noted. They're not inspectors. They're not, appra they're not uh, engineers. They're appraisers. But they're looking for some basic health and safety issues. And is the sales price reflective of fair market value? That's their number one goal to answer for the bank. So if your agreed upon sales price does concur with fair market value in their opinion, guess what? The appraisal is going to be marked as such. They create a range with those different methodologies. They create a range. And so uh, sometimes you will see it a little higher, usually not much higher than agreed upon sales price, but it might be just a skosh higher. And if you're buying, that feels good. Every now and then it's a little bit lower. And when it is a little bit lower, that's where your real estate broker comes in incredibly handy for you and why you want to be working with a real estate broker. You also can send me a question anytime you'd like from my website. Just go to ilovehomeralaska.com. fault is it anyway? Here's a better question. Who cares? Right? Now, in the case of a fender bender, yeah, you'd better be able to determine who's at fault. Hope it's not you. But in reality, in your everyday life, stop looking for who's to blame, who's at fault. Start reacting as though you're in charge. It's up to you. Ask yourself, what can I accomplish in spite of these circumstances? What can you do? Who can you become in spite of the circumstances you find yourself in front of. If you focus your energy on solutions, you will remain in control of your destiny. Your destiny. Easy for me to say. The thing about people that create blame and almost look for blame like a sport will remain. That's, they will remain victims. You, though, you're going to find real deep meaning and happiness even in the storms of life. So whatever the weather your future fortune, your wondrous life is already here. And that's what you're going to focus on, no matter whose fault this or that is. You and I look differently at the world. That's why we get along so well. Just because I'm slow, don't mean I'm stupid. Are you crazy? Or just plain stupid? Stupid is stupid does, Miss Blue. I guess. Oh, sisters, let's go down, let's go 
Let's go down, down in the river to pray. Real estate is slow, and I like that. Now, deals can slip through your fingers quickly. I'm not saying you can't lose something fast in real estate either direction. You can lose a deal. You can lose your shirt if you're not careful. But typically, real estate is slow, and it's over time that your future fortune grows. So how do you measure your investment results? You don't want to pull up the plant and check the roots every day like a casino. Did you know that casinos do multiple spreadsheets throughout the day? Like what you'll do at the end of a year, a balance sheet, or maybe every quarter, casinos are doing multiple times a day because they could lose their shirt within an hour if they're not careful. Your rentals, your investments, your real estate portfolio, I'd recommend you measure it this way. Measurable growth in a reasonable period of time. Again, that's what I love about real estate. It's a slower, longer process and a longer period of time. So again, you want to measure how you're doing, how your cash flow is doing, your appreciation, and both of those things are directly affected by what's within your control, what's well within your control. So the proper care and feeding of your real estate will ensure that over the next five, 10 years, your future fortune is secure, even when you're watching banks collapse every day on the news. Come on down, don't you want to go down? Come on, mothers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way. Negotiate this. I love Herb Cohen. That's his line, negotiate this. I did get permission, by the way, from Herb himself that I could use it. So I use it readily and often. Negotiate this by caring, but not that much. Let's talk about empathy. In negotiating, empathy is your superpower. And I would put that in any negotiation, hostage or otherwise. <laughs> Pray God you're never in a hostage negotiation situation. But if you were to be either the hostage or the one negotiating with the taker. Keep this in mind. Empathy is your superpower. So what is empathy? It's the ability to understand another person's thoughts and feelings in a situation from their point of view rather than your own. Think about Stephen Covey's seven, rule, seven uh, habits of highly effective people. One of, his, one of his favorite, one of my favorite of his is what I consider to be the Covey rule, which is to seek first to understand then be understood. That's empathy at its heart. That is being empathetic. Rather than being emotionally reactive to what's happening on the other side of the negotiation table, because see, that's the emotion that will drag you down. That's what Herb Cohen meant when he said care, but not that much, because when you care that much, emotions will rule the day. So you're going to use empathy to try to understand what motivated that person to make you that offer or counteroffer. Or what motivated that person to not respond to you within the time frame you set it forth? And if you, can, if you cannot take it personally and you can empathize and put yourself in their shoes for just a minute to see from their side of the table, look through their eyes, you'll be better off and you'll be positioned and ready to win. In the Millionaire Maker Guide, which by the way, you're welcome to it absolutely free of charge, text message me the word maker at 907-299-7653. I tell you in there that tribes, your tribe is incredibly important and your real estate broker is a huge piece of that because not only are we usually 
negotiation experts, but we provide that third-party perspective because we've seen so many deals, we've seen so many negotiations, I can empathize with where that party's coming from and share that empathy with you. And you can borrow some of that empathy, but you can do it yourself. You can negotiate for yourself using empathy as your superpower. I mean, I, I really truly believe that if you can understand where somebody's coming from, you're going to be miles ahead in every relationship in life. And that counts really when you're building an investment portfolio too. I hope you're subscribing to my newsletter. Go to ilovehomeralaska.com. It comes out every Wednesday. Tiffany and I work on that together. And very proud of it. It's a good, it's a good, good newsletter. Just once a week. Go to ilovehomeralaska.com, scroll all the way to the bottom, and you'll see the sign up for the newsletter. We don't bug you. There's nothing, it's, it's not pushy, obnoxious. It's just good information. It's what you want to know when you need to know it. Do you ever feel resentment towards somebody else? It's kind of a loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> it's just, I mean, sure, you know. Uh, you can resent a bully or somebody who's ideologically completely diametrically opposed to you. That's, that's one kind of resentment. But I'm talking about going a layer deeper. Do you ever resent somebody that's got something you want? Like, or they've done something you'd love to do but dare not. If you find yourself resenting somebody who's accomplished, built something, whatever it is that you'd really like to have or do or become, use that resentment. So acknowledge the resentment, own it, and then direct it. See, it's, it's like a, if a pocket of resentment's hanging out in your life somewhere like this, you can use it as a compass and go, wait a minute. Okay, I get it. Uh, that's what I want to do. And if that's what you want to do, I'm here to tell you, you can accomplish it. You can do it. You can become it. Use the resentment as a guide. And no longer will you feel resentment. No longer will you feel that bitterness or the emptiness. You're going to feel motivation. And I'm telling you, if they can do it, you can do it. So if there's something you'd like to do, a new adventure you'd like to start in life, no matter how old you are, you can do it starting right now today. Again, no matter your age, you were born to live on purpose, and you were born with a purpose. Thank you for being here. This has been a privilege and a pleasure to be with you. I can't wait to meet again. If you'd like to download this as a podcast, it always comes out later, usually the following day or two as a podcast. You're welcome to do that. Tell a friend, rate, review the podcast as well, because believe it or not, that actually helps the algorithms. All right, for David Webb and myself, I'm Chris Story, reminding you to look forward in life, learn from your past, but never forget that the good life is lived right here in the present. I'll see you next time.